Imagine a world where you knew that you mattered and you belonged. The people cared about you because we were so darn good at listening to one another, no matter how different we are. That is what Sidewalk Talk is doing by putting listeners on sidewalks all over the world so that we can practice the art of connecting. Join me, founder and director Tracy Rubel, as I interview experts on the fine art of human connection and interview some of our volunteers who've been listening on the sidewalk and even some of the folks that we've listened to. And if you want to volunteer, consider joining us at sidewalk-talk.org. So I'm going to just start by saying how excited I am to welcome Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt, doctors Helen Hunt and Harville Hendricks, who for the you that are Sidewalk Talk listeners don't know, but you guys are my heroes. I'm a couples therapist. That's my specialty. So for me, the two of you kind of started the field, in my humble opinion. So when I look at Sue Johnson, I'm like, oh, that's a lot like what Harville and Helen talk about. Or when I hear Stan Tapkin, oh, that's a lot like what Harville and Helen talk about. So I see the influence that you've had on all of these people in the field. Um, and so it's such an honor and a privilege to have you here. Would you be willing to say a little bit about how your work has evolved and, and what you're doing now and why you're interested in being interviewed by Sidewalk Talk? Well, we started as couples therapists um, about 30-something years ago and uh, spent a lot of time there until um, we got became aware that um, the line for couples therapy was infinite and that it was only reparative and not preventive. And therefore, we were not actually changing the world mm. because you only change the world if you prevent the problem you're trying to solve from happening. So we decided at one point, and, and I got a little depressed about that, uh, but what we discovered in the therapy process was the catalytic agent for change. And that was simply a conversation that was structured and guided in a particular way. And when you did that, couples changed. And when you didn't do that, couples just explored their inner world or dealt with their problems or something like that. Um, so we became efficient with this uh, thing that we called the dialogue process. And we talked about it a long time, and um, I'm really being condensed here, and decided that this could be exported from the clinic into the public domain because everybody needs to learn how to talk without polarizing. Mm. And we found that if couples can't talk without polarizing, they can't solve any problems. Right. But if they can talk and connect without polarizing, then they can go to whatever issue they need to work on. But the issue is always lost in the negativity, the static of negativity. So that's how we got to where we are now. So we came to Dallas and we decided to launch it in the ecosystem of a whole city and see whether or not we could turn the city uh, blue or green or whatever color safe conversation is. And uh, my answer to that question, you asked how did we get started on this? Uh, we got started really with uh, both of us ending up divorced. Oh, and, way back. <laughs> yeah, and like how, who would ever divorce me? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I'm so nice. Yeah, or me. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he was like, how, how, how does the dream become a nightmare? Like, and that mm. was, and when I was dating Harville, I said, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to do? And he said, I think I'd like to write a book. How mm. does, 
fight with couples, fight. Why the person you're drawn to, why does it dissolve? And um, and uh, in the early, and as we were dating, uh, he began to give a lecture to others. Like his very first lecture I attended, and he said, there are three stages of relationship. First, you're attracted. Wow. Then there's the power struggle. It's the inevitable second stage. And the third stage is when you learn real love or you learn a solid relationship. Mm. You commit to being friends. You commit to it. And, Passionate and, 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 and so most relationships break apart on the second phase, which is an inevitable second phase of any relationship. Right. It starts out great and then it gets bad. So I think the, the last thing I'll say before giving it back to you is that... Um, one of the things, we're here to destroy the myth that if you have a great relationship, then it's meant to last for, um, then it's always supposed to be great. And if you're having trouble, it means you're with the wrong person. And no, if, it, if you're having trouble, that means a transformation is trying to have, happen in your relationship. You maybe need some, you need to tweak it this way, that way, learn some new skills. No. If you're having trouble, <clears throat> the way I phrase it, maybe God's trying to show up mm. and tell you or your partner something. So if you're having, if you're having struggles, get curious mm -hmm. and see if some new skills can help with that transformation. Yeah, I love that. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off my couples therapy brain because I could just go on a long tangent with you, but we're okay. just going to be here together for about 15, 20 more minutes. So let me explain to you what we would really love, our community would love to ask of you to impart your wisdom to us. You know, we sit out on sidewalks with the express intention of helping people remember to center relationships and the importance of human connection in their lives, that we're actually pretty anemic relationally. Even, even if you're not in a relationship, we still need to have human contact to thrive. Yeah. And what's so amazing is that people will come sit down with us at Sidewalk Talk and realize they hadn't been listened to deeply by another human being, sometimes in weeks, even though they're coming in contact with all kinds of people, right? Yeah. So we deal with loneliness. And I would love to hear from you maybe what wisdom, techniques, ideas you would have for our listeners who sometimes are hearing really excited stuff, really lonely stuff, really hard stuff on a public sidewalk with buses and cars and people walking by and and how to stay in that relational presence with someone so that they can feel really known. Yeah. So, um, so, so I start, the, the, the couple of, uh, you had called them techniques, um, but they're more profound than that. Sure. One of them is uh, empathy. And that when somebody initiates or is talking to suspend your own processing, your own movie, just to suspend it, and look at their movie and allow it to become so real that you can imagine what it would be like if you were living that movie, although you know you're not living that movie. And what that responds to is something uh, Heinz Kohat, who you may remember, said, is that we all seem to have mirror hunger. Mm. And in around 2000, the Italian researchers discovered something called mirror neurons. And they think there's some connection between the mirror neurons and empathic responding, that we are wired to be empathic, but that those neurons are not often activated, and therefore we miss being empathic, and we also miss 
the capacity to experience another person's empathy. Mm. So that, that it's really beneficial to the empathizer to, empa- to be empathic because it, it activates those neurons and it's definitely beneficial uh, to the talker who becomes a listener to experience another person's empathy. Kohat also talked about vicarious introspection, mm-hmm. the capacity to imagine what the inner world is. The other thing that um, Helen had developed and amplified in our work is called curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that when somebody is talking, that if you mirror what a person is saying and summarize the mirror, let me see if I got it, check it out, did I get it? Uh, it's important to do a checkout because listening is very hard. And, it, and it's hard because you're running your own movie and somebody else's movie is just static until you turn your movie off. So you have to do a checkout so, so to see if you got it. But when you, um, when you have engaged in that, if you can shift to something, and our phrase is, is there more about that? Mm-hmm. Rather than, I've heard your story, now let me tell you mine. But if you say, is there more about that? In other words, you show curiosity and express interest that you then connect at a very deep level with that person and they feel suddenly through the barrier mm. of, uh, of distance and otherness and are experiencing you as engaged with them, then they can open up more deeply into themselves and then your empathic responding can, can deepen that. So those are the two things that come to my mind immediately as an empathic response followed by curiosity, followed by an empathic response in that process. Mm. Thank you for bringing. Thank you for bringing up Heinz Kohut. For those of you that aren't therapists, that's a, he is the ex, he's a self psychologist and also oh. someone that I studied. So I, that's kind of oh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I love I love that. I love your curiosity point. Yeah, and I, I, maybe I'll add uh, since um, you didn't just jump right in, so I will. That when someone is talking and you, you decide to mirror them, and you say, well, let me see if I've got that, and you mirror them. Mm-hmm. And then you say, is there more? Which are, are the first two things in the safe conversation process. To do that, you, you have to be in your prefrontal cortex, especially when you start mirroring, because you have to pay attention to what they're saying. You have to quiet your monkey brain, your mm-hmm. movie, quiet your movie, as Harold just said. And see if you, if you can mirror them correctly where they go, yes, that's exactly what I said. More than likely, they'll go, well, you got some of it, but that's not what I really meant. Or mm-hmm. they'll go, no, I don't think you were listening. Let me, let me do it again. Uh, but anyway, when you mirror, you're, you're in the left brain of the prefrontal cortex and, um, and then when you say, is there more, you move more across this part of the prefrontal cortex. But all of this takes you out of the reptilian brain, the brain, the, the lower brain that senses danger. Mm-hmm. And that's the, it, it has it's sort of scanning mm-hmm. every moment when you're sitting on the sidewalk. Is the person walking by me safe or dangerous? That's the lower brain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if someone says something and you feel put down, well, then you want to get up and just kick them in the ass because, like, they've just put you down. Da, da, da. But if they come up and say something and you're, you feel put down, if you, if you stand and say, well, let me see if I've got it, 
and you mirror them, you move from that lower brain to the upper brain. Mm -hmm. And this is the place that releases neurochemicals of peace and well-being. Mm -hmm. So you want to live in the upper brain. And that's what the safe conversation dialogue process does. You have to say sentence stems uh, as you take terms talking and listening to each other. And the sentence stems, um, you know, again, rescue you from that fight or flight or freeze or my way or the highway part of your brain to the, hey, rather than a, uh, my way, you know, I win or you lose or whatever, up in this part of the brain, we can create a win-win. How can I get what I want and you get what you want? Mm-hmm. Let's collaborate and cooperate and create a new right. thing we never thought before. So you really want to learn to live your life from the upper brain. You are illuminating something for me that I, I don't know that I totally got. So what I hear you saying is that this is why when we sit on a public sidewalk, people go, isn't that stressful? And we say, no, it's actually really calming. And what I hear you saying, it's because we're going from this lower brain to our upper brain in that stance of relational presence. So we as the listeners and then the people that we're listening to are both calming down. Is that that right? Exactly. A relational presence, and I've never heard that phrase before, but a relational presence puts you into the part of the brain which Dan Siegel calls tolerating ambiguity. Mm Mm-hmm. And he says that tolerating ambiguity is a sign of brain health. Mm. So much Mm. of the brain is like rigid. It's got to be, I got to know what's going on. I got to know for sure this. I've got, it's this way or that way. Or anyway, and, and the part of you that cannot know, as opposed to knowing everything, if you can practice not knowing, this is where dopamine uh, norepinephrine acetylcholine is released and these are the neurochemicals of well-being yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i think that's it, 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 another term that you trigger is you can call it um relational mindfulness love that um, instead love that. of paying attention to your own uh, thoughts arising um that, which i find sort of tiring to do um you pay attention to another person without judging them what makes you tired is when you have to have opinions mm-hmm. about whether this person is right or wrong or stupid or Republican or Democrat or, you know, whatever. Um, and you engage then in some sort of argument, even if you don't interact with it, you're running it inside your brain. But if you're simply present to the flow of another person's experiencing without judging it, then you're in the flow of being and mm-hmm. being is restful. Yeah. I, well, we are just so in sync. And so, but this is, this is, I'm going to now admit a flaw of mine and I want your help with it. When I sit out at Sidewalk Talk or when I sit as a therapist, I'm coming so fiercely to the contact with that kind of relational presence in mind. But I think what we get asked by our volunteers and what we, what I get asked by my patients is what happens when I didn't come prepared with relational presence in mind and somebody catches me off guard with that that might stimulate that lower brain. How do I come back to that really volatile interaction and bring that relational presence to maybe a, a bad starting conversation? Well, I think that it's, it may be uh, a skill you have to practice, uh, that is, which is basically to regulate uh, reactivity. Mm-hmm. One of the ways 
that we teach and we do is that if I'm triggered, I will go to the mirror instead of going to what is it you said and why in the hell did you do that or 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 think it i would go to the mirror if if there has been an exchange and that mirror will as helen said put you out of the uh limbic brain into the prefrontal cortex you can't the there the limbic brain has no words uh, only the cortical area says words and so when you go up there you're out of feelings uh, you're in another spot of your brain that is regulatory and uh, and that do that or uh, if you if the, the other is is to curiosity can hey can you tell me more about what's going on with you right now um, and then switch to mirroring as they undownload what they're saying so that you don't have to deal with them you simply uh, regulate your own reactivity by being present to mirroring and you can just do it on the spot or present curiosity or both. Mm -hmm. That was me, that answer. I know, I know that's hard, but if you, if you pay it, the thing about it, that's the mental health, and you'll, you'll appreciate this, mental health world has taught us that if something happens to us, we should look inside and explore that or try to figure out what's going on with us. And what we say to people is, no, if you go in there, it's going to get really chaotic and bad. Go outside. Mm. Uh, era another person do work in the interactive space instead of in the intrapsychic space and that will calm down the inter the interactive space. i love this <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you that thank is you. so cool see this turns psychotherapy on its head because psychotherapy has for ever since freud found the subjectivity to be the gold standard for interests and you go in there and spend years exploring your memories. But you can't change by exploring the past. You can only change by interacting differently in the present. I and love this. That, and then that changes what's inside. I'm so excited. So that's our new theory. It's called relationology instead of psychology. Holy smokes. Sorry, we're not even going to get to the role play because I, I just I need to take a minute. That is so cool. I'm glad you like that because we're beginning to uh, sort of bring this into mental health communities where we go to speak because what we're really saying is psychotherapy has been a little bit on the wrong track that what we need to pay attention to and explore is the interactive space between rather than the intrapsychic space within because the outside change changes the inside and not the other way around. And so, um, so if there's a breakdown in a relationship, say between any two people, say between Harville and me, but to tell you the truth, Harville needs a therapist. <laughs> like, like there's something wrong. We all, we all do. <laughs> and you know what? He probably thinks I need to go on a spiritual retreat oh, no, for I've two never, months never and somehow get my act together uh, or go for therapy. <laughs> or, like, how about a medication? I need something to calm me down, or maybe maybe I need electric shock. But anyway, and for, for decades, a uh, hundred years or so, the mental health community has doctored the within, That's either right. within horrible, so he could have a better relationship with me, or within me, so I could be better in my relationship with horrible. And we see it differently, that if two people will learn to create an energy field between the two of them, 
for connecting as possible. Um, it's about the energy field that's created between the two people, not either of the people alone. Mm. And uh, if this energy field is safe, the people can connect. And if, if there's a little humor or maybe he shares an appreciation with me, well, I'm going to listen to that. And maybe I'll share one with him. Maybe he knows I love chocolate and he gets me a box of chocolate. I know he loves a little back rub. I do a back. So this energy feels begin to uh, get safe and we mm -hmm. connect. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what we think creates healthy relationships is the stewarding of this energy field, the space between. Mm. Now to do that, I have to change my brain a lot yeah. and not, be, not put him down. I need to talk a different way. And, and I'm, I need to change myself to change this. Right. But the, the change happens when this is changed. Right. And, uh, and it can happen with that Walmart checkout person. You know, practice. Right. As, as that him or her is checking out your uh, yard supplies that you've just bought or whatever, or, um, or the, new pair, the new shoes and pajamas, mm. just like mirror them, you know, ask them how their day is, da, 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 and just practice being relational yeah. on just anybody. It's a tremendously joyful way to live. Wow. Yeah, this is amazing. So I'm being mindful of the time because you, yeah. you have been so generous. So, um, A, I just want to reflect back what, what you had said, which is I so agree with. And I, I think that this is what started Sidewalk Talk for me because I think we believe that there's something wrong with us. And I say, no, we need each other to regulate one another. We need to borrow one another's nervous systems. We don't survive in a vacuum. But you said it much more poetically. So I'm going to go back and listen to this and figure out how you said that. But I'm so excited. That's the entire movement here. We're just a little different. We're spending a little less time on the training part and having people sit their butts on the streets and just do it. And I love what you said about the Walmart checkout person because for me, I almost look for those moments where I'm buying lunch to say, so how's your day going? Yeah. And I'm always amazed at how I'm the one that feels better when they look up and they think, yeah. oh, you really want to know how my day is. I'm like, yeah, I really do. And then we both feel good. Yeah. yeah. And that's see, that wouldn't happen if you uh, did intrapsychic work. Right. It happens when you do interactive, interpersonal work. Yeah. And that we're, we're wired for connecting. And when we connect, we feel good. And yeah. when we go, when we disconnect and go inside and explore, we don't feel good. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't we discover that a hundred years ago? You know, Freud almost discovered it. He re reanalyzed his first client whom he thought had actually been abused by her father. And the data says she probably was. And he said, no, that was a part of her imagination. Mm. And that she wanted a sexual relationship with her father and but you know talked about it as him abusing her you know the projective mechanism and he changed his mind he said no 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 viennese patron would ever sexually molest his daughter mm -hmm. so this must be a wish of hers and a fantasy of hers so psychotherapy went inside a hundred and something years ago and has stayed inside ever since when what actually creates the inside is the outside yeah, which is internalized as memory. And uh, the last thing I'll say, because we may be nearing our time, the world rewards us 
when we're judicious and we can make good just judgments and we're right. So all you know, from the time little kids, they'd get their ABCs right. Oh, yay, I may be so smart. And then all through school and then when you get a job or get in college and you get a job or whatever, like we, we so everyone wants to be right and judge well. But actually, when you, we tell people who want a good relationship, you have to shift from judgment to curiosity mm. and, and wonder mm. that it's not knowing stuff. It's not knowing stuff mm. that feels good in a relationship. I used to take a lot of pride that actually, if, you, if, if Harville knew, you know, if you're going to be a stinker again right now, aren't you? If, if only Harville <laughs> could figure out a couple things, then he would be greatly improved, and I'll try to help him improve because I know really well <laughs> what Harville needs to do to be a better person. Wardrobe, right. like yeah. social skills. And look I mean, what you did. I'm and, really uh, much better. And so, but and Harville was so miserable in our relationship because I was such an expert at knowing Harville. And, he, dis he disagreed, and I was probably wrong on a lot of them, but that also wasn't my business in the relationship. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to be for me to wonder about him mm -hmm. and ask him questions and listen to him, mm -hmm. not me to tell him. So learning to ask questions, and it, we say it shift from, from uh, judgment to curiosity. I love Especially that. Especially if someone does something and you don't like it and you judge them, get curious about why they just did that. And, curiosity and wonder that's that part of the brain that releases all these wonderful neurochemicals i think that's a beautiful point to sort of end on in terms of the offering that you're offering us and then what i wanted to i really want to support your work because you're so generously supporting mine and support our community and so would you be willing to tell our volunteers if they wanted to do more training because we offer them just enough to kind of get out there on the streets um, how they can come to some training with you. Yes, uh, go to the website, relationshipsfirst.org, and um, they'll see uh, the training program listed there, and that'll tell them all that they have to do to register and where it's going to be, what it costs, and, uh, and what they have to do to prepare to get there. And we'll be delighted to welcome them into the training program. Wonderful. And if anyone that's a friend of yours, they want to come for training, and it's hard for them to afford the fee, we'll pay for the fee. Well, we'll, we'll come up with an exchange that I'm, I'm big on sort of reciprocity and, and okay. we'll figure something out. But I also want to say, it, clarify, they do not need to be a therapist to come to your training. No, no, no. So no I just want to let all our volunteers know this is for everybody to come to. Yeah, we sort of like them not being a therapist because right. we find that we have to retrain the therapist to do <laughs> relationship education and not do therapy and so that means we the the learning curve is the same for everybody Wonderful. and the therapist doesn't doesn't give their I just want to say to you that um, that the uh, congruence of our work is just amazing to me you all are on the front lines and that what you all are doing is formating what we would call a relationship revolution Mm. And the relationship revolution is when people are connecting mm. and where the individual is secondary to relationship because then that actually makes the individual primary mm. because the individual is a derivative of relationship. When the relationships are great, the individuals thrive. And if you just focus on the individual, 
not the relationship, both suffer. So you all are really doing something to move the culture forward toward relational consciousness. And thank you very much for doing that. Thank you. Thank you. And our next, our next training is uh, April 13th, 14th. Great. Well, I hope I get to meet one of you at one of the trainings. I'm going to try to, try to come out. I'm also a mama full time. But um, again, thank you. I mean it. Really, really thank you. It means a lot because we need, we need your, your wind beneath our wings. So I appreciate it. And send, if you train folks, send them to come volunteer. We're all volunteer. If they want to put these skills into practice, they can come sit on a sidewalk with us. Well, I think <laughs> we should have your material available at the next training program so we can tell people where they can go and use their skills. I'll send Which it to Charlotte. From going to a hospital, you know, or to a corporation or, or even working with couples. Yeah. And that would be an exciting thing for many trainees because they're real, they're, some are really social activists. Right. And this would be a great way they could actualize that. So let's be sure to get your material so that they know how to get connected to you at our next training program. Wonderful. Good. All right. Let's hear it. Bye-bye.